2: It's 8.30 on Tuesday, August 28th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on NPB Think Radio. On today's show, the Mississippi House of Representatives say no to a state lottery, but could supporters have one more play up their sleeves?
3: If we're going to put the $200 million, uh, which is equivalent to $1 billion over five years and $2 billion over 10 years, if we're going to put that in place, then we have to have the lottery or some other forms of generated taxes.
2: Then, after a conversation in StoryCorps, a group of child advocates is working to make it easier and faster to become a foster parent. We'll find out how. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The debate over a state lottery is going into its fourth day today at the Capitol. Bills in both chambers faced different outcomes last night. The Mississippi Senate passed a bill that would create a state lottery with a vote of 31 to 17. The results came moments after members of the House voted down the same bill with a bipartisan vote of 54 to 60. Senator Willie Simmons of Cleveland is chairman of the Senate Highways and Transportation Committee. He tells MPB's Ashley Norwood he hopes that the House will reconsider and send the bill to Governor Phil Bryant to sign into law.
3: Somewhat disappointed. I uh, was hoping that based upon all the work that we had done and the conference report this afternoon that we would have had passage on both sides. Tomorrow's another day.
4: What do you think the problem is?
3: On the House side? I'm not sure because it passed earlier uh, last or late last week and there seen to been great support for it back home from individuals that I ran into. People was excited about the fact that we had passed and was going to do something for infrastructure. So what happened today on the House side, I'm not sure. We was too busy working on trying to get it passed on the center side to keep up with what actually was going on politically on the House side. But hopefully tomorrow, all the minds will come together and decide that this is something we need for our transportation infrastructure system in the state, and it's part of a two-track system. Eighty million coming from the lottery and 120 million or so coming from the other ways and means that we have in the infrastructure bill. So, if we're going to put the 200 million, uh, which is equivalent to one billion dollars over five years and two billion over ten years, if we're going to put that in place, then we have to have the lottery or some other forms of generated taxes. Uh, personally, I prefer the fuel tax, uh, but that's not something the members seem to be interested in supporting. This is the only thing that we seem to have some support for at this particular time.
4: Can you talk about some of the things that are um, in the conference report that you like most?
3: I really like the uh, dollars that's being generated uh, for infrastructure, the $80 million that we will generate, but then also we are taking a look at our education system and realizing that we need dollars there. So once we reach the threshold of $80 million, then monies will begin to go to the Education Enhancement Fund, which is going to be helpful to the uh, education system.
4: How likely is it that that you'll meet that threshold, you think?
3: I think we're based upon the numbers that we're getting. When we talk about how much money is leaving the state now and going to Louisiana and Arkansas, some $20 million that they can track, and I'm not sure how they're tracking it, but those are the numbers that we are being given. So those dollars are not just going to the lottery, but they are leaving the state of Mississippi as opposed to being spent here. And in addition to that, they are probably buying other items, which means that they are paying sale taxes in that those states and buying goods and items that they could be buying in Mississippi.
4: Some people have talked about or are thinking that the lottery will be a regressive tax on poor people. What's your response to that?
3: When you look at the numbers, I think a lot of poor people buy lottery tickets. Uh, it's a game of hope, and they are uh, investing that hope in hopes that they will win something big and spin them out of the poverty today, and so you have that. Uh, but also, people say that the sale tax, the tax on fuel, is regressive because poor people have to go to the pump and purchase gas. You have to find a ways, some ways and means of generating dollars needed for the purpose of maintaining your infrastructure system, and if we don't do it on lottery. We have to do it on fuel tax. If we don't do it on fuel tax, we have to come up with some other ways and means of doing it. Once you get out of a program like the lottery and the fuel tax, it's not a lot of ways that you can generate the kind of money that we need to take care of our infrastructure. We need some 3 and a half to $4 billion. So you got to have big items to do that, such as the fuel tax and or a lottery or some other ways and means to generate millions and millions of dollars.
4: If it does pass and it does become law and we do create a lottery, it won't happen until about two years?
3: Uh, We won't see the uh, full impact of uh, $80 million or so until about two years.
4: Is there anything else you want to add?
3: I saw many of the individuals from the Delta area uh, not supporting the lottery. I'm not sure why they weren't, uh, but I would say that we have great needs throughout rural Mississippi for our infrastructure and we need to do something to generate dollars. So if we don't want to support the lottery, I hope that they will begin to support the fuel tax or some other ways and means of doing it. But we can't sit on our thumbs and not do anything.
2: Senator Willie Simmons with our Ashley Norwood. The House bill now faces an uncertain future after a number of Democrats shifted into opposition. It's being held on a motion to reconsider and could be brought up again today. Democratic Representative David Beria of Bay St. Louis says lawmakers voting no have a few concerns about the final version
5: there was a bipartisan coalition of house members that voted no uh, on the conference report and what we tried to do first was recommit the bill because there were several people who had problems with the way the board is structured and the way that the president's salary is unlimited and the fact that we're not really going to see any money from the lottery go to education uh, for the next 10 years and and so for many of us we've been voting on a lottery for many many years when we were given the opportunity because the money was going to fund education and and we were going to be be okay with it going to roads and bridges for uh, for this crisis period, but we wanted to see money go into education as well. And it's not likely under the way that conference report was written that any money would in any time in the near future. So uh, first we tried to recommit it. That didn't work. So uh, you saw a lot of folks vote no uh, on the conference report for those reasons.
2: Representative Barria says the tide could turn as the session continues on.
5: We're still in special session, and I think that conference report could be brought back before us again. They yes, can try again, in other words. And so you will probably see um, some votes being whipped overnight, and we'll probably see that again. And then, of course, there's uh, a rumor that the special session is going to be expanded to include BP. So I think we're going to be here for another 24 hours or so. What we want to see is we want to see that bill improved. We got one shot at this, folks. We've been waiting 20-something years for a lottery, and that particular structure was not good.
2: House Democrat Steve Holland agrees with Barria that it has taken the lottery years to get to this point, but he says he's disappointed with last night's vote.
3: I've been here 35 years, and they were talking about the lottery 35 years ago when I came. And fast forward, and then we thought we had it, and then this happens. I don't know what kind of devils are moving around up here, or what's in people's minds, or what kind of games are being played by the people, but it's very evident to me that the people of Mississippi want a lottery. Now, there are some people that had very conscientious objections based on the kind of conference report that came out. I'm one of those as well. I'd have had the machines and the truck stops. I certainly wouldn't have put put a prohibition against ever having that in there because it won't ever come out. Uh, But it wasn't worth throwing the baby out with the bathwater to me. So that's where we are.
2: Speaker of the House Republican Philip Gunn continues to oppose the state lottery, but he says he had no hand in turning the tables on this lottery bill.
1: I have my personal convictions, and I've stated those clearly. I, I, I've been very clear that I think a lottery is bad policy. No one has presented, with, has presented to me any evidence that it is good policy. I have asked for those who pr- promote a lottery to present me with a reputable economist who will tell me that it is good policy. Not only have they not presented a reputable economist, they have not presented a disreputable economist to come forward and say that it's good policy. So I've been very vocal in my opposition, been very strong in my position. I've also said I would let the process work, and I did. The process worked today, and you see the results of it. I did not guide or direct this result today at all.
2: Speaker Gunn says the bill could still come up again.
1: Well, the bill stays on the motion to reconsider calendar. That's a procedural move that simply holds the bill in the House pending a motion to reconsider. What that means is the bill failed. Those who uh, support the bill now have a choice, I guess, to make as to whether they want to try to change those votes. There were, uh, it was about a nine-vote difference, I guess, and so if they're able to change the minds of those who voted against it and get the votes to pass it, then it could possibly come back for a motion to reconsider tomorrow or any day thereafter, candidly. But but it's since it's on the motion to reconsider calendar, the only way to dispose of that at this point and keep the bill alive is to bring it back up for a vote. I don't anticipate they would do that if they don't have the votes to do it.
2: Legislators expect the special session will continue for at least another day to discuss a bill on BP settlement money. When asked about concerns over the session lasting longer than anticipated, Speaker Gunn reminds taxpayers the regular session ended early.
1: Well, we, of course, came down here for the purpose of roads and bridges, and that's what we have done. We passed that bill earlier today. We are proud of that bill. It is going to address that problem. I would like to point out that during the regular session, we were allotted 90 days to do our work. We finished our work in about 82 days, if I recall correctly. So there were eight days that we did not use in the regular session that uh, did not cost the taxpayers anything. So you know, we're we're here on on extra days that that really we banked, if you want to use that term. We we have those in the bank and. It does cost taxpayers for us to be here, but it's not anything further than what we would have spent had we been here for 90 days during a regular session.
2: The amount of time that will be dedicated to the BP settlement remains unknown.
1: The governor has said that he wants to get these two issues, the roads and the lottery resolved, before he turns attentions to that. So with this development, I don't know where that leaves BP.
2: House Speaker Philip Gunn. To see our team's updates throughout the day, follow MPB News on Twitter. Coming up, after a conversation in StoryCorps, a group of child advocates is working to make it easier and faster to become a foster parent. We'll find out how. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
6: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com. A chance meeting between a 17-year-old Louise, Mississippi waitress named Ruth and J.D. Barrett led to a 60-year marriage between the two. Barrett sat down with his daughter Janet Herman last February when the StoryCorps mobile tour came to Jackson. J.D. told Janet a story of love, courtship, and a two-minute wedding.
7: We stopped at Louise, a little town north of Yazoo City, and we are going to get her something to eat. We parked the truck out there and walked in the cafe, and there was one lady, well, she was a girl, 17-year-old girl, was in the back of the cafe. We walked in, and she turned around and saw us. She said, well, y'all sit down and said, I'll get to you in a minute. And she was the only one in there. And when she turned around and looked, it just threw a blanket over me. And we got ready to leave, and I told the boy with me, I said, we was in the truck. I said, you know, I think I'll marry her. He said, what? I said, I'm going to marry that girl. He said, man, you hadn't known her but five minutes. I said, I don't care. I'm still going to marry her. And a year and a half later, we got married.
5: How did you propose?
7: I don't think it was me. We had known each other real intimately. Is that, is that a word?
5: That's a word, but I don't think that's the right word. All right.
7: Okay. No, we, I didn't I didn't know she was a girl until I, I married her. A year and a half after we went together, dating every time I got a chance, I never did propose. One day we were sitting there talking or something, and like she said, Well... Do you think? Don't you think it's about time we got married? I said, "Yeah, it suits me," and so we did.
5: Tell me about the ceremony.
7: We went to Bell's owner up there, north of where we I met her, and a friend of hers, the lady that she's living with there in Louise, had got our license for us, and we went to this justice of the peace at dinner time on Sunday. Knocked on the door and I told him what we was there for and he said, "Well, he grumbled a little bit. said, i 'I'm right in the middle of my dinner.'" I said, "Okay, we'll come back." He said, "No, don't do that. Come on, by. I don't want in here." And it took him about two minutes to marry us, cause he he said, "Have y'all got license?" I said, "Yeah." He said, uh, "Have you got a witness?" I said, "Yeah, there she is." He looked at the and looked at her, and he, he said, your name is, uh, I said, my name's J.D. Burt. And she told him her name. And he said, well, John, do you take this woman to be your lawful wedded wife? I said, I do. And he asked her, I said, do you take John to be your lawful witted husband? She said, I do. He said, I now pronounce you man and wife, John, you owe me $2. dollars i got to get back to dinner. That's how long it took.
5: (laughs) And how long were you married?
7: Like two months being 60 years. She
5: passed away in 2012. Yep. Two months before your 60th wedding anniversary. Yep. I know we've talked about this. That was the happiest day of your life was meeting Mm -hmm. her. Yep. And the saddest day was losing her. Yep. How has it been for you after her? With her? Without
7: her. Oh, it's been tough.
5: How? Do, why do you think it is that you've made it this long on your own?
7: I don't have no idea, Just tell you the truth. Because it's been tough. Because it's been tough.
6: There's a poignant coda to this story. J.D. and Ruth are together again. J.D. Barrett passed away earlier this month at the age of 86 to hear more from StoryCorps, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour came to Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
2: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Foster care advocates in Mississippi are trying to find more homes for children in need. Rescue 100 is an organization that works to help potential foster parents get trained quickly and become certified to provide temporary homes for neglected and abused children in Mississippi. It's a program of the Mississippi Department of Child Protection Services. We spoke with the Director of Rescue 100, Sabria Smith, and Rescue 100 Assistant Director, Samantha Krim. Smith tells us how the program began.
4: It started with a small church in Harrison County, Michael Memorial Baptist Church. The founding pastor, um, Tony Carnes, was preaching a sermon one morning and realized, hey, I know a lot about taking care of widows in the church, but I don't really know a lot about the orphan population. So he got up and went to the DHS then, CPS now um, and realized that Harrison County had the most children in foster care in the state and realized, hey, now that I know this I have to do something about it. just fell on his heart. So he and his church held the first Rescue 100 event. They really worked hard to alleviate barriers for foster parents to become licensed and um, the state just took notice and now we're going around every year trying to duplicate those efforts all across the state.
2: The name comes Rescue 100 because that was the original goal.
4: That was the original goal, yes. If we can find a home for 100 kids in Harrison County, that would really make a difference. And were there 100 families found? We have almost met that goal just in Harrison County. There's probably 60 foster families that have come through Rescue 100 in that area. We've licensed over 250 throughout the whole program across the state. Which is
2: great. Are there other churches that picked up the ball, so to speak, and trying to get their congregants as well to become foster parents?
4: We have had an overwhelming response from the church community across the state. Um, I think Michael Memorial will always take the lead, but every place we've gone, we've had numerous churches reach out and want to help provide not only foster families but services to support those foster families.
2: You're providing the certification. Is that required in order to foster children?
4: Absolutely, yes. They can do their whole licensing process through Rescue One Hundred. That includes the training and also the home study process.
2: Tell us a little bit about the kids who are who go into foster care. So, Matthew, you tell us. You know, why are they in foster care? How old are they?
0: Well, every situation, you know, is different, and the ages of the children, you know, they range from zero to eighteen years of age, and we have children that are neglect, and I think that's a lot of our problem here in Mississippi. The children come into custody because of neglect. But, you know, you have physical abuse, you have sexual abuse, just different, you know, situations that the children are in.
2: Fostering means you're providing a home and care and affection, love, hopefully. But what is the goal ultimately for that child? They're not going to live in foster care forever is the idea to reconnect them with other family members or the or the family members from whom they were taken away
0: from You know, we try uh, in the beginning to uh, locate uh, family members uh, that are related to the children, of course. Uh, Foster care is a temporary placement. We do our very best to locate uh, family members. Our ultimate goal is reunification. Uh, That is very important. We want the children to remain with their biological families if at all possible. Uh, But, you know, we have uh, foster care as a temporary placement. And if reunification does not work out with the biological families, uh, the foster families can adopt the children if they choose to.
2: Now, of the 60, about the 60 who are placed, how long on average does a child remain in foster care with a family, with a specific family?
4: That's a loaded question, Karen. It really depends on the family situation. Um, we have kids who come into foster care, and then within the first 30 days we're able to locate family who can take them and they can be removed from the foster care system. We have other situations where kids can remain in care anywhere from 12 months to 18 months. Their cases are always being reviewed by the youth court system every six months to determine what's the best move, um, but that really can vary.
2: Which is a good time to mention that Rescue 100 involves three entries entities, the court system and child protective services and churches. Churches, Have any of the families adopted their foster children?
4: Yes, um, like Samantha was saying, reunification is always our first effort. But if for some reason that doesn't happen, the children can't be placed back safely, then adoption is the next option. And foster families always get that opportunity to adopt first since they've been the ones caring for those little ones for so long. Um, So yes, it often can turn into adoption as well.
2: Tell us about the training, because this is really unique in that someone isn't spending weeks and weeks (laughs) in classes.
4: We've really tried um, to alleviate as many of the barriers as possible to training. So what was taking a process of five to six weeks um, now is can be done with several classes online and then a one-day training event. Um, So it it moves pretty quickly. And then the home studies are usually taken um, after that for about 60 days. So from start to finish within three months, we can have a family ready for placement.
2: Tell us about some of the things involved in training. What does a potential foster parent need to know and qualify for.
4: Sure. So the first thing we do is we have what's called an orientation, and that's just a one-hour meeting where families can come and just hear more about the foster care process, what type of children we have in care that are needing homes. After that, if they're still feeling led to become foster families and they do the online training, what they're going to learn there is a little bit about how to navigate the foster care system. It can be quite overwhelming, Um, and they're also going to learn a little bit about the adoption process if it were to go in that direction. But then the face-to-face training, we tackle issues like Um, separation and trauma because all of our kids, no matter what reason they're in foster care, have experienced some type of trauma. They're also going to get some child development training to know what's appropriate child development and then when our kids who have been traumatized how that looks a little bit different. And then we talk a lot about behavior management Um, because those kiddos that come in their homes are going to experience some behaviors that tend to be difficult to, Mm -hmm. to manage. So we really want them to understand where those behaviors are coming from and and how to respond to them appropriately.
2: How can people find out more?
4: So we are on Facebook. Um, you can check us out there at Rescue 100. We also have a website they can get to and a telephone number I can share with you now. Sure. It's 769-798-3586. And that goes directly to me, and I'm happy to answer any questions.
2: Sabria Smith is the director of Rescue 100, and Samantha Krim is the assistant director of Rescue 100. Thank you both for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Hear this conversation again whenever you want by subscribing to our podcast. Just search for Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. That completes our show. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, Money Talks at 10. It's in legal terms at 11. Stay tuned for Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio.
6: Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com.